Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murph, underneath the DJ, Going up over Bell, ball away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another NBA playoff preview here on Dime Dropper for the 2023 NBA playoffs. For this one, the last one, the NBA Finals. We are finally here. It is almost June, and we've got a finals that is absolutely not for the casual fan. This is one for the diehard basketball fans, the Denver Nuggets, the number one seed in the Western Conference, making it out, and the Miami Heat, the eight seed in the east did start out as the seventh seed and lost in the plan and joining me today after coming on for the conference finals preview where his team went one in a sweep i don't even think he called a sweep on that one it's the real deal out of park hill but it's not chauncey billups it is swiper cam whose denver nuggets are in their first nba finals swiper man just let me know how does it feel you finally got your long-awaited revenge on the lakers yeah, I mean, I think it will be even better, you know, if they have an opportunity to win the uh, NBA Finals. But I think the city is happy that the Nuggets are meeting expectations and that they made it to the finals. I think I predicted, obviously, um, you know, before the season that they would. You know, I think a lot of people outside of Denver, you know, the Nuggets have – they've been the only team that hasn't actually had been successful at the major markets. You know, the Broncos have been to five Super Bowls. Uh, well, they went to five during the Elway era. They've gone to two during the Peyton Manning era. They won three of them. The Avalanche have won three Stanley Cups. Even the Rockies in 2007 made the World Series. And so, you know, the, the Nuggets are just kind of coming along, finally kind of meet that championship pedigree that the city is used to. And I think the city is responding with the expectation um, of winning. So I think everybody will be even happier if they're able to close out this series um, I think right now this is like a fulfillment of everybody's expectation because, again, you know, when Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. are all healthy, they have made at least the Western Conference Finals. If Jamal Murray and Jokic are healthy, you know, if Jamal Murray goes 8 of 18 uh, from in Game 7 instead of 4 of 18, then they're looking at going to three Western Conference Finals in the three playoff runs that they've had. This is in 2019 when C.J. McCollum had 37 points and, you know, they won by four. And Jamal had one of his worst playoff games ever. So they have always won, but then now, obviously, after the Aaron Gordon trade, March 25th, 2021, they go 8-0 in the first eight games, looking like a dominant team. They lose uh, to the Celtics and to the Warriors. And Jamal Murray, you know, he ends up tearing his ACL on, like, April 2nd. So everything after that point was thrown up in the air. And I think the city is just kind of like, all right, bet this is what we expected to happen, and hopefully they can finish the job. You know, you mentioned the Avalanche. They won the uh, Stanley Cup last year. So mm -hmm. this would be so that's something that people aren't really talking about is this could be back to back titles for Denver teams. Yeah, this would be this would be three championships for the major teams in in, in the city of Denver since 2015. The Broncos with the Super Bowl, the Avalanche last year with the Stanley Cup, and then the NBA Finals. You know, there's not a lot of cities that could boast something like that. 
Um, so I think that's just goes to show you, like Denver is a sports city, primarily a Broncos city, but that's just because Nuggets have never given them an opportunity to, to ride the wave. And so, you know, now you have a 28-year-old superstar, a 26-year-old Jamal Murray, a 24-year-old Porter, and a 27-year-old uh, Aaron Gordon. So hopefully they're locked in for years to come. Now, let me just look at – let's look at the initial storylines of this series. You know, that's been a huge thing. People are saying – some of the haters are saying there's not any interesting storylines. It's not compelling. But I think there's obviously so many great ones. You have Denver in their first ever NBA Finals. You have Nikola Jokic, who is on the cusp of doing something so special. I remember, you know, for many years now, hearing people say that a center will never be the best player on a championship team again in this new NBA Jokic is on the verge of changing that narrative and maybe getting, you know, bringing the big man back, even though he's so unique, but maybe teams will look at their big man as someone that can lead them places again. And then you have Jamal Murray, as you said, coming off the ACL injury and playing at such a high level MPJ, who my Clippers passed up on because of his back. And now Mm -hmm. he's a starter on a potential championship team. Aaron Gordon, who a lot of people were saying, you know, didn't really achieve his, potential out of Arizona but now he's kind of in this Andrew Wiggins kind of role guarding the best player and reinvented himself as this great role player and then you have the Miami Heat who are an eight seed you know coming for, uh, to the finals for the you know only team besides the 99 Knicks Jimmy Butler's been amazing they nearly blew a three nothing lead I mean you know just for a second taking your fandom out of it what do you think about this series, you know, for the neutral? I know a couple of years ago we had that 2021 Bucks Suns and people were like, oh, you know, no one's going to watch it. But this one feels as though these are really the two teams that deserve to be here. The Suns, as you know, and they beat us injured. They beat you injured. They beat the Lakers injured. The Bucks beat the Nets injured. It really feels like these two teams really are the best teams in these playoffs. Um, how do you feel, though, about the series overall storyline wise? Yeah, I just think it's it's just crazy that the I think it's not even more people not wanting to watch it. It's just the narrative that people aren't going to watch it. That's been the demonstrative tone. You know, I think this idea that the NBA is so against its own product that fan bases are like, well, I'm not going to watch because I'm not interested. The NFL, I've I've never watched Patrick Mahomes in Kansas. And I brought this point. Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas City. Joe Burrow is in Cincinnati. Lamar Jackson is in Baltimore. I'm watching every single one of those games. I don't care who they're playing. They're the Super Bowl I'm watching. Like, that's so crazy to me. You don't want to watch overwhelming talent. Jimmy Butler has a chance to win his first NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic has a chance to win his first NBA Finals. You could be watching. George Carl said this years ago. George Carl said a couple years ago that Nikola Jokic, if he does what he needs to do, take care of business, wins a couple championships, he could be a top 10 all-time player. This is George Carl, you know, one of the, the seventh winningest coach, I think, in NBA history. So... Again, you could be watching one of the greatest players of all time, and you are watching one of the greatest players of all time in their prime with a healthy roster. And then on top of that, you get to watch Jimmy Butler, who is one of the best American storylines in the NBA. Came from Marquette, drafted by the Bulls, defensive aid, goes to the Bulls, become an all-star player, gets traded, shipped around, goes to Minnesota, goes to 76ers, revitalizes the Miami Heat program, three Eastern Conference Finals in a four years, two finals in four years. Like, why would you not want to watch that? Caleb Martin, the resurgence, going from a no-name player with no tick last year, averaging 19 points a game in the Eastern Conference Finals, takes down Tatum, takes down Jalen Brown. And then I got Kyle Lowry, NBA champion 2019, coming off the bench. Tyler Hero might come back for game three. Duncan Robinson, resurgence project, couldn't play, couldn't play any defense. Now he's playing back in the NBA Finals. 
And then you get like Hightower coming off the bench, a no name, but playing great two way ball. And then you get Bam Adebayo, one of the best defenders of a generation, and you get a chance to watch him see if he can square up versus the best offensive player in his generation. And then on top of that, you got Max Struess. You got players like Gabe Vincent with no background coming out of nowhere with a top coach of all time in Eric Spoelstra, and they got a GM and team president in Pat Riley who led the New York Knicks on their greatest run ever, the Miami Heat on their greatest run, and then eventually, well, obviously with the Lakers and all that stuff, everybody remembers that, but then eventually taking this team, leading it, getting LeBron, getting Chris Bosh, and taking them to four finals, basically. And you telling me that's not a compelling storyline because that's not L.A., that's not Boston? That's crazy. Not only is it casual, it's disrespect to the game. If you're a basketball fan, watch hoops. Like, that, I can make up all kind of stuff. If the Heat were playing versus the Memphis Grizzlies, both franchises, the Memphis has never won anything. Zach Randolph, Paul Gasol, Tony Allen – this is a nod to that era with John Moran and all these players, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Xavier Tillman. You telling me you can't watch sports because you don't have big market bias? Like, that's crazy to me. So, And you could tell ESPN countdown when the Lakers were getting swept out the building. They all sad and depressed. I wanted to be in L.A. I wanted to visit Malibu. I wanted to see all these great cities. I want to hang out in the sunshine and the beach. But guess what? You're here to relax. You're here to tell a Tim Kardashian story. You're here to watch basketball because I need to know. Because I'm getting ready to watch one of the best players of all time playing in the playoff series in an NBA final in the first time in franchise history. And I don't care who on the court. So, Dom, I just ain't never been with that. That's always been weird behavior to me. But, again, I know everybody can't watch the game the same way. So, it is what it is. Yeah, I think you nailed it best. Uh, I'm a basketball fan, so I'm always going to watch anything. Uh, that's the NBA finals, of course, any NBA playoff series. And this one, I mean, I'm very excited for, especially because you mentioned, you know, with that big market thing, I'm from Los Angeles, so we are the big market. Like, I'm very excited to, and I think a lot of people feel this way, people don't really hate the Heat or the Nuggets. So, like, there's a lot of people that are going to be watching this series without hating a team. And I think also, though, that may hurt, that could hurt ratings. There are people that like hate watching teams. But I think there's a, a level of no stress that a lot of people have going to watch this finals like me and are just excited to see either team win. Now, I am pulling for you guys a little bit because you've never won a championship and the Clipper fan in me has that sympathy. Whereas the Heat, I have seen them win all three of their titles. And this is interesting to see because we didn't see this Jimmy Butler Heat rendition make the finals with fans. So this is going to be the first right. time we see the Heat with fans since in the finals since 2014, since LeBron and the Heat got smacked by San Antonio. Let's talk about the Lakers series for a second. So I'm pretty sure you had Nuggets in six. I had Nuggets in seven. What were your thoughts on the sweep? I mean, every single game was close. I mean, yeah. to sweep the Lakers, to sweep the great LeBron James, only the third time that's ever happened. And I've been saying this on my channel. The first two times LeBron's been swept, he was clearly the underdog. Like the 07 finals and the 2018 finals, you can say he was clearly the underdog here, but you know as well as I, there were tons of people picking the Lakers to win the series against you. Tons. And you mm -hmm. beat them in a sweep. All the games were close to me. The biggest difference was in every single game, you had the best closer. Jokic or Murray. I mean, game two felt really shaky, and then Murray mm -hmm. just went nuclear. I mean, let me know what your thoughts were on the series, how you guys played, and, you know, I would assume that makes you more confident going into the finals that you swept them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I was being a little too generous to the Lakers, and I think I was being – I was underwhelmed, underrating the Nuggets a little bit, but I think it's just out of respect for LeBron. Um, but I realized you can't really make basketball takes off, like, respect. And I think that's when everybody, as you just said, going into the series, they're getting swept. Oh, you think LeBron getting swept? It's like, it's not about that. Like, sometimes you just ain't the best player on the court, and he wasn't. 
Uh, he was barely the second best player in the court, depending on where you had Jamal Murray. And then on top of that, you know, your team isn't better. The chemistry isn't better. The culture isn't better. The timing just isn't right. So, look, there's no shame in it. LeBron got swept by Tim Duncan in 2007, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in 2018, and he got swept by Nikola Jokic. Those were four, I think, at the end of their careers, four of the top 12 to 15 players of all time. So it's not like you're getting swept by a like, bum or just an all-star. So, you know, it happens. Um, I think that the Nuggets are able to carry that confidence over because they went 12-3 and to the Western Conference when they were predicted to lose versus the Phoenix Suns. And then, obviously, with the Lakers, you know, great franchise. They never beat them in a series before, never swept a team before. They had all the pressure on their side. LeBron James had only lost one conference finals in his NBA career. That was to Dwight Howard in 2009. You had all the narrative. And you get swept out of there. So basketball is about chemistry, it's about rhythm, it's about belief, it's about your commitment to execution. And the Nuggets, man, they just com- they commit to doing that at a higher level than anybody else, and they would repeat that process more than anybody else. So I think the Heat, they're a great team. I think they're going to have um, a lot to say in this series. And so, you know, it's going to come down to who wants it more and who can execute at a higher level. I'm going to respond to this comment real quick. Someone said, Dime not saying anything to swipe, but saying Jokic is top 15 all time already. He never said that. He said he could I be didn't. top 15 all time. So I'm not. But, but, but just to be clear, Dime, I also said that before the year that if Jokic, Giannis, and Luka finish their career like we think they will, I think those are three of the top 15 players ever. I don't I don't think there's a basketball argument by the end of the time they're done that you can't say they're not three to 15 best. I think Luka hasn't won anything yet. Haven't even won an MVP. But I think if we are able to look at his game, it's like the dude is freaking – he's been 25-5 and five since his rookie year, 29-9-9 and nine and nine every year. If he wins a championship, Dime, or wins a couple MVPs – He needs that champ- – the championships for me is, is are really big. Right, I think if Jokic right. wins this title, I mean, that that puts him in a in a category with only a couple centers. I, I remember us talking about this in a space, but the top five centers to me is really hard to break into. Like, it's right. going to take some work. But you can make an argument for me after this title as high as six. And there's been some great – I think center might be the deepest position – in terms of like goats in NBA history, because I mean the top five was Russell, Hakeem, Wilt, um, Shaq, and and uh, who am I forgetting? Kareem. Are, yeah. It's just so hard to break into. But I literally yeah. I enjoy Jokic. I enjoy watching Jokic so much. And um, I want to say too. So one thing you talked about all the all the narratives. Actually, no, I'm gonna wait on that. Let's talk about the Heat series real quick against the Celtics. What an amazing series this was. Three nothing up. They tie the series three three. Did you think they were going to blow it? Because I really thought they were going to blow it. Man, it's just really hard to beat a team four times, man. Like In a row. I, yeah, bro. Like four times. And then think about all the energy it took the Celtics to get back in the series. And they had to claw. And then by the time game six ended, they barely won because it was a tip-in from Derek White. So really, without just miraculous clutch play and then some mistakes, Jimmy Butler wasn't good, by the way games three, four, and five, and then wasn't great in game six until the fourth quarter. So they had plenty of opportunity because the best player in the Heat wasn't playing well. So, but beating them four straight time, man, the the level of energy that it would have taken to do that, the fact that they even got back in the series is impressive. But again, the Celtics were like this all year. They got blown up by 50 by the Oklahoma City Thunder without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They were beat by the Orlando Magic three times, I want to say. The signs were there. It's just that everybody was saying, well, their talent, their history. At the end of the day, the Heat were just a better team when it mattered most, and not in a regular season, but in the playoff. And, you know, I'm not even, like, really all that surprised. Um, I think the Heat, 
again, shows their flaws, that they even allowed them to get back in the series like that. Because the Heat, again, their shooting bearings is crazy. They shot 45% in the, in the series from three, I want to say. So, yeah, if you do that, you're going to sh- be some really good teams. But I think all this really says that the Heat were really good, but the Celtics were also very flawed. Yeah, the, the Miami Heat are, are really impressing me in the sense that their whole knock was their supporting cast was super inconsistent. They had regressed from last season. And when we saw Tyler Hero go down, these guys have all just stepped up like crazy. Gabe Vincent, Max right. Struess, Caleb Martin's performance in this conference finals was like just ridiculous. I mean, he's averaging 14.6 rebounds in the playoffs, and he's shooting – from the field and 44% from three. Mm -hmm. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. As you mentioned, I mean, Jimmy Butler, he has been amazing in the playoffs. He had a rough patch there in the series. But do you think Jokic and Butler have been the two best players in the playoffs so far? Because everyone's been talking about these are maybe the two best coaches remaining. Spo and Malone have done such a great job. And I honestly would agree with that take. But what about the players? you think Jokic and Butler have been the two best players in the playoffs? Yeah, I think Butler was definitely number two. But again, man, he really slipped in that series. And he's averaging about 24 and a half, 25 points a game since season series one. First series, he averaged 37 or 38. And then ever since that, he's really dipped. So, you know, he's kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, so I think Butler, you can make an argument for number two. You know, everybody's hating on Anthony Davis now because Anthony Davis got cooked by Joker. But he averaged 27 in that series and 14 rebounds and two blocks and like two steals almost. So, again, I think AD has an argument. I think Devin Booker was incredible over the run that he had in the first couple of rounds. Um, so I think it's fair to say that it's still uh, Jimmy Butler. I thought Jason Tatum played really well, even though obviously he you know turned his ankle in game seven and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say that Jimmy Butler still been the second best player in the playoffs. Yeah, so Jimmy, he's averaging 28 seven Mm -hmm. and six those are like you know lebron numbers damn near 48 percent from the field 35 and 35.6 percent from three um i think part of what you got to think about is that that injury sustained in game one against the knicks i don't know if it's just playing against higher level competition and you're seeing like because jimmy butler as as good of a score as he is he does have some limitations you Mm -hmm. know he's you know heavily favors it going to his right he comes off jumps off two feet a lot comes to a full stop and you saw and i think one thing that's going to be big for the nuggets paying attention to is when the celtics stopped biting for his pump fakes huge changes in terms of you know his shot making and the shots that he could get off Mm. and and i think that's a big thing now for miami as i said the main thing for me is the supporting cast i kept picking against them because i felt like they were going to come back to earth but they just keep playing at a high level. I don't even know what to say. Like Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, all these guys are playing so well. You mentioned Tyler Hero. I'm honestly kind of convinced they might play better without him. But but um, that we'll see if he comes back. I just think that taking the ball away from him, let other guys shine, and their defense looks to be a little bit better. I think the big wild card for the Heat, though, is, is Bam Adebayo offensively. He's the one that I always – like. I think to win a championship, he needs to average like 20 points. I don't think he does that consistently enough. His touch around the rim is very inconsistent and doesn't have that confidence. Like when he catches the ball, he'll be left. You guys are going to leave him open for that mid range. And he sometimes make it makes it sometimes doesn't, but he never like gets the ball and says, Oh, you're giving me space. All right. I'm going to make you pay with confidence, like conviction in his shot. To me, that's my thing with Bam. He's as you said, one of the better defenders of this era. He's so good, but offensively, I think he can leave a little bit to be desired, but Let's think about this. So a lot of people are talking about rest versus rhythm. You guys have been on vacation for a while. 
or, or getting ready, I should say, and the Heat are just coming off a grueling seven-game series. How mm-hmm. much of a factor do you think rest is going to be, especially given that you have home court advantage and you're undefeated at home in the playoffs? Yeah, Kevin Pelton on Zach Lowe's show yesterday, he uh, brought up the ESPN stats and information or stats and data, and uh, he said that teams, home teams going into the finals with at least five days more of rest than their opponent, they're eight and one in game ones, and they're eight and one in those series. So the Nuggets have nine days of rest. They have a seven-day rest advantage, I think, over the, the Miami Heat. The Heat just finished playing now. Uh, two days ago or one day ago, one and a half, depending on what we want to do the timeline. Um, so, I mean, NBA history says that the rest matters way more and that, you know, going from Boston, seven game series, fighting for your life, taking two days off, then going to Mile High City uh, to play against the best team in the NBA and the best player in the NBA, you know, that could, you know, end up being a big part of it. But, I mean, ultimately, we'll see. You know, I think that the, the Heat are going to be well-prepared. I think Spolster has been brought up today, actually, uh, in the press conference that, um, you know, he thinks that if you could tip the ball off of Mount Everest and they'll be ready to play. So they obviously believe in, in who they are. So, you know, we'll definitely see. Yeah, Eric Spolstra, I mean, how much does he worry you? Just being the great coach that he is, having more experience in the, in the finals as Mike Malone. I mean, obviously, Eric Spolstra can't play. But does that worry you a little bit because of how tricky he is and how creative he can be? Yeah, not worry, but you know it's coming, I guess is what I would say. Like, you know the adjustments are coming, the zones are coming, the schemes are coming. They're going to front joker. They're going to try to be really, you know, messy with how they're disrupting the two-man game. Offensively, they're going to try to attack the Nuggets' weak points. I think a lot of that is just you just understand that it's coming and you're just waiting uh, for the adjustments, and then you make the adjustments when they need to be made. But at the end of the day – there's only so much you can do with Joker and there's only so much that you can do with the Denver Nuggets offense. But the fact of the matter is you have to outscore Denver and, you know, that's going to be the math problem. So as good of a coach as he is, can you do that enough times quarter by quarter by quarter and game by game by game to where you could win multiple games by having to play catch up consistently. So, you know, we'll find out. I think he's an incredible coach. He may be the best coach in the NBA right now. But I think there's a lot of things they're going to throw at the Nuggets, but the Nuggets are just going to have to be responsible and adjust correctly. And on the other side, Michael Malone, he's going to put them in a lot of issues and give them a lot of challenges as well. And he's going to test them to see if Jimmy Butler and Bam and Kyle Lowry and Duncan and Gabe and Struess. And, you know, they're going to see if they can figure that stuff out. Bam Adebayo, I mentioned him earlier. He's averaging 17 points, nine rebounds right now in the playoffs. I think that, as I said, I think it's going to have to go to 20. They're going to win this series. I just think that you guys are the best team they've played so far, point blank. They're going to have to be the best, best versions of themselves. You mentioned the zone thing. I wanted to talk about this because we saw the Celtics have a lot of trouble with it. I personally think that they're going to get carved apart playing a zone against you guys because you put Jokic at that high post. Even though, I mean, let's say they play, they play like a 2-3, easy. Jokic at that high post is going to carve them apart. You have shooters. You have cutters on the baseline. And – the, the main thing that the Celtics really lacked is a guy that could catch the ball at that foul line and just turn and shoot. Jokic, mm-hmm. we've seen that he hits that mid-range shot at the foul line contested. He damn sure can hit it open with space. So I think that's an easy fix or an easy counter. But I think, you know, they throw a lot of this matchup zone. They'll go like one, two, two for a second. But I think you have Jokic in the middle of the floor. It changes a lot of things. And I think you guys have the shooters to counter all that. So I think when teams have guys that can punish you in the mid-range, 
and space the floor properly. And basically in the middle of the floor, I think that's part of the reason why zones work so much better in today's NBA is that guys are not flashing the middle of the floor and making dudes pay a lot of times and Jokic will. So that's right. why I think the zone is not going to be a great look. As far as the, you know, the pick and roll, we always talk about how you're going to guard the Jokic Murray pick and roll. Um, see, Bam can switch one through five, but like you're not throwing Gabe Vincent onto uh, who do you think is going to be taking Jamal Murray for the most most series for the Heat? So it's probably going to start off with Gabe. Um, Butler will take him in clutch situations. Um, I think they're going to have to put a lot of Martin, um, I feel like. Well, Martin's going to have to be on Michael Porter or you're going to have to put Struess. So the problem is, is that they're a, they'll be at a huge length deficit because you can't put Struess on KCP. Maybe they do. Um, but then you don't want to put Gabe on Michael Porter because Michael Porter is 6'10". Gabe is like six feet tall. So I think it's going to start off. This, but the thing is, the Nuggets aren't just going to let you do that. Like, they're just going to find the match just like they did with D'Angelo Russell. We're going to put whoever we want in actions, and I'm going to get Gabe or whoever. And matter of fact, if I want Jimmy Butler away from the play, then I'm going to put Jimmy Butler on me. And then we're going to do all the actions. We're going to get everything going to the rim. Now you got to play Joker with this man with just Bam Adebayo. And Bam Adebayo is not a great rim protector. That's not his best asset. So, yeah, man, I think they're going to match up Hunt for sure. I think Gabe probably should start on him if he starts, if they don't start Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I, I doubt they'll start Kyle Lowry. I think he played better off the bench. I think it'll mm -hmm. be Gabe Vincent. I doubt we see any – you think we see any of Kevin Love and Cody Zeller in this series? Because we saw them yeah. kind of get fizzled out at the end. And here's the thing. Here's my biggest issue with Denver. Besides the whole – I'm sorry, with the Heat. Besides the whole zone not really working that well, and obviously in man-to-man -man, it's hard enough to guard these guys in the first place, you have the dilemma of who's guarding Jokic. So you have the Bam out of bio could guard Jokic thing, but then it's like I just don't think – I know nobody can guard Jokic one-on-one. -on -one. Who do you throw at him to have Bam in that help side like you had Anthony Davis roaming? They don't have a big forward like a LeBron or Rui Hachimura. Like, you're going to put Kevin Love on him? You're going to put Max Struess on him? Mm -hmm. I just think that they lack those big forwards. Maybe Highsmith, they lack those big forwards. And I think that's what you guys have is having Aaron Gordon and MPJ. You have two legit like 6'9", 6'10", guys in the front court. They played Jimmy Butler at the four a bunch in that series. I mean, how mm -hmm. problematic do you think that's going to be? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love will get minutes. We'll have to see how useful they'll be. Uh, he'll be important for them. But, the, again, there's just so many matchup problems because if they decide they want to put K-Love onto Jokic and then have Bam free roam off of AG, well, again, they're just going to put them in action and see if they can get you to switch. Then if you don't commit to the switch, pin downs, back screens, all the stuff that gets you discombobulated while you're trying to retreat and get back and help – so if Jamal Murray comes and set a screen for kept for uh, Bam Adebayo, does Bam leave him and then let Gabe trail him and fight through the screen? Well, then we know what's going to happen. It's going to be a back screen. You don't go with it. Jamal humps around. It's going to be a DHO into a wide open three. Or if you adjust correctly, Jamal Murray gets the ball top of the key, pump fake, dribble penetration. All right, now we got Jokic in a two-on-one situation with a trailer. Am I going to dump off the yoke for a floater? Or am I going to get a little midi here with Jamal Murray shooting 52% in the playoffs? Or am I going to get a uh, dump off to Joker and then a lob to AG because you're already out of position or Michael Porter Jr. corner three? Uh, Adam Mades from DNVR Sports yesterday, um, he did say that he thinks that maybe what if they tried Cody Zeller and Bam Adebayo to put like crazy size on the court? I don't think they'll do it. But again, they just don't have a lot of great options. Now, Spolstra will have some things, but this is what I'm trying to tell you, though, Don. As soon as Joker figures it out, you can't do it anymore. 
that's what happened with Rui Hashimura. As soon as they figure out what you're doing, it's over. Because what they did then in game three, uh, when Jokic had 15 points in the third, fourth quarter, they were basically had Rui and they had AD and they had Rui guarding Joker and they didn't want to switch it. So they did an empty side pick and roll with uh, Jamal Murray and basically said, look, and then they had Dennis Schroeder on Jamal. Do what you want. Now you can switch this and I'm going to get Dennis on me or you can keep this off and then you want to just run over the top and run the hub. Well, then Jokic is shooting 47% from three or he's cutting a diving. So again, they're going to have answers for all that. And so it's about the heat being able to do it enough to throw off the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, geez, the Nuggets offense is, is so tough to stop. One thing I love about this series is we have two teams that play off ball movement, not too much ball pounding. Yeah. I think the Boston Celtics really showed us um, that, yeah, their offense was as good as it was in the regular season. It was a little too predictable. Denver and Miami, definitely more creative. Um, that action you talked about, one of my favorite ones, Jet Van Gunny was giving a lot of props in the, in the conference finals where Jamal Murray sets a back screen for Aaron Gordon. And then he'll come off for a little dribble handout with Jokic. That is so hard to guard, man. I don't even know how I would guard it. But just so many different options for Denver. Um, as we close out, do you think it's it feels a little like – it sounds like the way we're talking. Obviously, I'm with the Nuggets fan, so like it's going to be more Denver-centric. But I really feel like you guys got this. Do you think it's it feels like overconfident? No, because the team doesn't feel that way. Michael Malone hasn't communicated that. He said it can be the hardest thing I've ever done. I think the difference is recovering the game. So this is how I always think about series, Don. This is why when we were talking about the Clippers' nuggets, who has more advantages that the other team has to solve between the two in a matchup? Clearly, you guys have the more advantages. So what does that mean then? So if you have more advantages and you have the best player and you have the more talent, like that's that's a that's a that's a mathematically even statistically there's a lot you have to overcome to be able to get to a victory point because you know what you can beat those advantages a game at a time but doing that four times in the seven game series is where that becomes difficult. The Celtics process was awful, terrible. They literally were facing a three two zone at one point in time and they were in game four I want to say game three and the Celtics were just passing the ball on the perimeter and they were just throwing up contested threes. Like, what are you doing? And then on the other side of it, the New York Knicks weren't beating the Heat. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle not beating Jimmy Butler and the rest of that roster. And then, again, as I said all season, as you heard me say, the Bucs were a bad offensive team. Giannis was not good offensively this year. And when it came down to getting a bucket, they couldn't do it. They didn't have shot makers. They couldn't hit their free throws. Giannis was running from the ball at the end of the fourth. Just added up. And they were slow. They have all these wing defenders, and none of them can stop Jimmy Butler. So, again, if you just go through how they got there, they were just a better team. The problem is the Nuggets have faced elite talent, and they've just been able to beat you down. They're more physical. They're bigger. And, they again, they have a bigger ship on their shoulder. And on top of that, when you have all that and you're more talented, you know, and, again, in any series, I was taking Jordan in any series. I was taking LeBron in any series. If he had LeBron James had comparable talent, to who we were playing against and everybody was healthy, I'm taking Braun every time. But if you got Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and then you got Kevin, uh, you can't do nothing about that. It's over. It's done. So for me, it's like you have Jokic. They don't. You have Jamal Murray. You have a team that's been together for years. You have the chemistry, the dynamics. 
and again, it's not like you're like overconfident. You just you just know what you you know who you are. So I just think that all that together, man, it's just uh yeah, I just think it's 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 gonna be a challenge. It's not to say Miami can't do it, but it's gonna be a challenge. Do you think Butler has to outplay Jokic for the Heat to win? But that's what I'm saying. So, Don, let me ask you. Let me ask you. So, this is what I mean. I think for the Miami Heat to beat the Denver Nuggets, Butler has to at least be on the level of Joker to almost outplaying Joker in the series. Yeah, I agree. Then my next one is Bam, averaging 20. That's my other one. But when has he done that in the playoff series? I know. It's tough. He he wouldn't shoot lambs over Derek White, bro. I know. They're going to have to really, really get stops, which is so hard to do. Um my, you know, something that everyone has said in every series is, well, we're going to put Jokic in the pick and roll and exploit him. The thing is, Jokic, to me right now, defensively, is having a very similar run to how, like, Dirk had in 2011, where he has been, he's been good. Like, he's been decent. He's held his own. He hasn't really been exploited like that. I mean, maybe there's been some stretches in a couple of, in a couple of quarters, the most right. I can think of, that he's been attacked in pick and roll or whatnot, but he has really held his own. Part of that's because of the great defensive personnel around him. But also, like, there's a big difference to me between guys that aren't good at defense and guys that are unwilling defenders. Like, Jokic may not get off the ground like that, but I don't think he's a bad defender because he, he, knows, he knows angles, he knows the scheme, and you're going to get high effort from him. And then, as we saw in the last series, Anthony Davis wasn't able to abuse him one-on-one at all. So, to me, Jokic, he has not been a liability. He has not been bad. He's been very solid defensively. And same with Murray. He's been very solid to me defensively. What do you think of those two guys? Because everyone was saying, you know, their best two players aren't yeah. good enough defensively to win the championship. They've really held their own. And, yeah, it yeah. does remind me of that 2011 Dirk. Because people always go to Dirk. He wasn't a good defender. I was like, well, he held his own when he needed to. That's all that matters. So what do you think yeah. of that? Yeah, Murray's the weak link relative to the rest of the roster when it comes to defense. So Jimmy Butler's going to hunt him. But the problem is Murray is still 6'4 and a half. So, like, if LeBron's hunting him, sure, LeBron is a super freak. So – He's bigger than anybody. Like, he's going to do that. But, you know, Jimmy's going to hunt Murray. Then, again, you live with it. But also, like, you just don't panic in those situations. So, I think that's the thing. Like, Kevin Durant, when he was getting isolations on the wing, they said, let him. Let him have that. Just contest it, too. That's all you have to do. If he misses, he misses. If he makes, he makes. But if you miss, we're running. And I think that's the thing. If Jimmy misses and he had Jamal Murray on him, he they are running. And they're going to see if they can get a size mismatch against you. And Jokic is going to beat Bam down the court. And people are going to be like, how is he doing this again? But that's just what he does. So, again, I think you're going to have to live with uh, Jamal Murray at times being isolated on Jimmy. If you get to an end of a game situation and you don't want to do that, then, hey, you know what? Go under. You know why? Because he is shooting 28% from three since the first round, Jimmy Butler. So if he's going to make those shots, then he's going to make some of those shots. But you know what? I'm going to have to live with it the same way you got to live with LeBron doing it. Yeah, we're probably going to see a lot of Aaron Gordon on Jimmy Butler, I assume. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon has really held his own on, on just about everybody so far. Um, I think Murray's going to have a really good series. He's just been great in every single series. He just finds a way. And I think one thing that's been so great for your defense is when Jokic comes out and hedges, you have MPJ and Aaron Gordon on the backside, and that, that's right. just huge. You have basically secondary and rim protection. But, um, yeah, overall, Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to go with the Nuggets in six games. What are you going with? Yeah, last night on the Den Vendor show, I gave my official prediction. I'm going to drop it on Twitter today, but I'm going to respect the heat, and then I'm also going to just expect what the Nuggets have done. Um, I'm actually picking the Nuggets in five. Okay. Um, again, this is not like about like the heat not being good. The heat could win this series, and like 
But I think, again, it's just like the extreme would have to happen. 45% from three again. And Jimmy Butler is basically putting, you know, Jokic in a chokehold. And it's like, is Jimmy Butler, is he a top three player in the NBA type deal? Because, you know, so I think it's going to be Nuggets and five, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, my last thing, too, is so there's been a lot of talk between Mike Malone and, and you know, the media and how they're kind of sliding you guys and stuff. There's nowhere to hide now. Everyone's going to be watching. How does it feel for you as a fan of a, of a team that doesn't really get their attention throughout the regular season? that now you're going to be on the biggest stage in the NBA. I'm guessing it's already been surreal for you, like seeing the finals logo on, yeah. on the Nuggets jerseys and like just mm-hmm. seeing all the media stuff. Like this is an experience that I still haven't had with my NBA team. And I mean, how does all that feel? And like, do you feel like you, you got to win this? Like this feels like it's meant to be for you guys, man. And I'm not going to lie. I have a little bit of an agenda to push as well with the whole seeding thing. I said top three seeds win rings. So I'm going to need my agenda to keep pushing because these Clipper fans, they need to realize that our process uh, is bad in the regular season. And they were just like, whatever seed we get, it doesn't matter. I just don't believe in that. I believe mm. in creating good process and, and continuity throughout the Whoa, year. Oh, bro. You see what they're saying now about the Nuggets run because they beat a uh, they beat an eight seed, a four seed, and a seven seed. And now people are complaining, saying it's a weak ring when it's like, well, they're the first seed. And again, to your point, like the Heat had to do this. They beat the, they beat the one seed. They beat the five seed, and then they beat the two seed. That is almost impossible to do, to your point, which is why you got to take the regular season serious. Absolutely. And then one thing, I think the last thing I'm going to say is pace is going to be big in this series. Same with the Celtics series. The faster the pace, the more it favors you. Heat are going to want to muck it up and slow it down. Uh, One thing I love about Jokic is, he has that ability, even even like like Magic did it to an extent, just a lot slower. But he can get the rebound and just go and push five mm-hmm. on four numbers, and I think that's such a luxury. But yeah, man, thanks. Hey, thanks so much for joining me, bro. This was Hold really on, great. I got a, I got go a question for you. Could you love yeah. basketball history? Uh, yes. Do you think that if Jokic completes the job, is this a top three offensive season of all time for you? Wow, uh, in my in my time watching basketball, it absolutely is. It's hard for me because I haven't wa- I haven't gone through the eighties yet and seen Magic. I think he's probably put together some insane. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Say something. Yeah, in we're, my time, we're, yeah, where are you right now in your in your timeline? Watch because you're watching 70, basketball history. Seventy one, but I, don't okay. worry. This summer we're getting back to it. But I think I mean, look, twenty sixteen Curry would have been a great one, but he didn't get it done. Yeah, it didn't um, end and it, I yeah. can't really give an individual player the props for twenty seventeen and eighteen because. KD and Steph both were just so nuclear. Dude, it might be the best offensive individual se- season that I've experienced in my, in my lifetime. And, and we talk about offense. Obviously, the NBA, since the three-pointers gone crazy, the last seven years, it's been more uh, of an offense-heavy league more than anything. So in these last seven years, I'd say, yeah, this might be the best offensive season of my time watching hoops, honestly, if he wins it. I really think so. Yeah, the ones that come to mind for me are the 87 year for Magic. Yeah, that um, one's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an incredible year. I wasn't alive for that one either, but again, yeah, it's just gotta... like researching the 91 uh Bulls Bulls team with Michael Jordan. Like I thought like I have had a Jordan agenda for years. I thought Jordan was best player in NBA by 87. So like I was full like bought in. Then I was just his uh was 84, 85, 86, 87, his fourth year in the NBA. I thought he was the best player in the league. Um and then I think to uh, the 2012 season from LeBron, obviously it's incredible. Two-way, 2018 Braun, 2015-16 Steph. But again, he fell off a little bit in the playoffs. But Jokic, bro, if Jokic goes from averaging a 25-12-10 to 
triple-double on 70% true shooting to 30, 13, and 10 to an NBA championship through four rounds. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And he and Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, Anthony Davis, and Bam Adebayo on the run too. Yeah, that'd be crazy. 30, 13, and 10 on 54% shooting, 47% from three. This is just like – these are Wilt numbers right here, man. Or should I say – Jokic numbers. Shout out to everybody that listened, man. Appreciate everybody for joining. Swipe and let them know where they can find you, even though a lot of people are here from your channel anyway. Yeah, bro. Uh, swipe a cam on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. And shout out to my man, Dom Dropper, one of the best locked on sports covers, period. Um, and obviously uh, one of the best Clippers analysts um, and reporters as well. So shout out to you, Dom. Thank you so much. Everybody, you can follow me on the same things, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Pod, and subscribe to my YouTube channel for more L.A. sports, NBA history, and NBA content. I'll be live after every single night of the finals. So let's see how it goes. I got the Nuggets in six making history, man. I can't wait to see you with your crazy celebrations after it happens. Fingers crossed. Peace, everybody. Let us know what you think in the comment section. What's your prediction for the series?